Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Weekly Cheek Podcast. Before we start this episode, I would like to acknowledge that we are on stolen Aboriginal land of the Yabagura and Turrbal people, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders past and present. Welcome back to Weekly Cheek. Welcome. 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know that um, scene that she's the man. Welcome to Elyria. Welcome, 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 welcome to Elyria. I never talked to that film. Really? Mm. I was Ten things I hate about you like is my Shakespearean um, mm, moment moment of choice. Yes. Interesting. I wasn't that obsessed with Ten Things I Hate About You. I only saw it for the first time in year nine and it like changed my world. I thought Heath Ledger was like the most beautiful thing I'd ever Oh, yeah, same. On. I was so sad when he died. Heath Ledger was like my second love after when I had my sexual awakening when I was four and I heard Michael Bublé singing on the plane radio. And I was like, what is this feeling? <laughs> I think I've told you mine before, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Also, I don't think at four I could have a sexual awakening, but I remember I might have been four or five, but I left the plane and I was like, I feel really weird in my stomach. Like, yeah, I just was some, like, you knew something had happened. Yeah, something different. Something big had happened. Something huge. This summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk about diet culture. Yeah, a bit of a change of tune there. Yes. Um, also, I'd like to shout out my shirt. It's from... Charm Offensive Tees. Shout out. Shout out. Buy one. I love Charm Offensive Tees. I also love her stories and the moustache filter. The commitment to the moustache filter. You love the moustache filter too. I do. I wish it didn't smooth your whole face. Why does it do any... That's a whole other thing. That's (laughs) a whole other thing. It's loosely linked to diet culture, I think. Just a quick content warning. In this episode, we're going to be talking about diet um, and restriction and diet culture as a whole. And disordered eating. And disordered eating. So if that is um, triggering to you, probably skip this episode. Okay. So first of all, I'd like to think of some, I'd like to say something that I thought of while I was writing notes for this episode. And I was like, wow, that's revolutionary. Diet culture. Why is it called diet culture? It's not actually about the diet. It's about skinniness. Yes, but I think it's because that all of the things that they promote are towards dieting. It's towards restriction. And I think it's more pointing towards that restriction and Mm -hmm. that sort of imprisonment idea. Mm. And that's what I think dieting is. I don't think it's – because you're not going to be like beauty standard culture or beauty culture, I think. Because also when you bring in the word beauty, I think a lot of people write that off as like skincare. Yes, I just mean like generally I'm not trying to to be revolutionary and I'm like, well, let's get to this. (laughs) I'm not speaking, I'm not signing a petition to change the name, but because no one actually cares if skinny people eat McDonald's four times a day and no one cares if like bigger people eat nothing but celery. Yes. Like it's not, I just like to say that it's like not actually about the diet. It's never about the diet, but I also think that these fad diets are a way to sort of not excuse, but like. It's this way of saying like, oh, well, you know, we're just cleansing. Yeah. And it's all like this idea of like this healthy living wellness culture. And it's not at all. When Mm. I think of like paleo, keto, all these things, I just like, I think at the end of the day, the thing that people forget about dieting is no matter how you look at it, it's calorie intake and then output. Right. Yes. And I think that these fads are one of the worst parts because like, okay, so you're shitting yourself five times a day because of the laxative tea. Mm. Well, it really comes down to your calorie intake and outtake. And if you, um, you know, are obsessed with my fitness pal and love getting the notifications that are like, don't eat ever again. Yes. Then, <laughs> Ooh, you're a bit close. You're a bit close. Maybe don't have any more carbs today. Fucked up. Why don't you go away? Have you tracked your lunch? Oh, 
I have so many memories from that from like early high school mm-hmm. of like tracking everything and then getting the notifications that are like, you haven't tracked your breakfast today. I'm like, because I haven't eaten breakfast in three months because of you. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid idiot. Stupid idiot. Because <laughs> um, I think I have a, and I don't really want to talk about personal experience because um, I just don't really think I'm the voice that should be adding to it. But when I was um, powerlifting competitively, I did use my fitness pal. And I have like a very, I have always had a fairly healthy relationship with food and it even, it like got me definitely mm-hmm. because I think like just because used to, we used to like, if we were starting dieting, we would like download the app. Um, cause I used to delete it every time I didn't like in quotes need it and then just track what we like just a normal day, like just mm-hmm. act, just eat normal. But I feel like as soon as you take tracking into it consideration, you're no longer eating normal. No, of course not. So when you're tracking your calories, whether that's in an app, whether that's just like write, written down or whether that's like reporting back to some type of medical professional, what you're eating, you're never eating, you're never like act, you're never eating normally, no. you're never eating intuitively. No. And I think that, and for a lot of people, and I know like people who have experienced disordered eating or eating disorders, um, actually a lot of the time lose the ability to eat intuitively yep. because they no longer... Um, like, I think it, it's something about like the relationship between your brain and your stomach, yep. like you no longer understand, you can no longer recognize like hunger cues, yep. um, and things like that. So I don't want to say like, there's no place for tracking because I think that there probably is, Yeah. but it's like real fucked up. I actually think for me, it started with the biggest loser. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that, I mean, I have, um, my parents are bad with comments about weight and things they always have been, but I, when we, I used to watch season after season in our house, the biggest loser. And my parents were big for like ordering takeaway and then sitting and watching the biggest loser and like yelling at the people, yelling at the screen. And that doesn't really breed body confidence. I would argue, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it was like, and back to our year nine theory, year nine was the worst of it for me. I lost a lot of weight. I was really engaging in disordered eating, very mm-hmm. much binge purge mm-hmm. um, culture. And I probably would not eat till 4 p.m. every day and then just come home and eat like everything, everything. in the house because I was starving. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that really um, was a problem for me for, you with these hung- for years with these hunger cues mm. because my body was so used to just, my stomach would just expand exponentially and then go back. And so it would never know what was happening. Yeah. Um, I think it took me years. I mean, still struggling with it. And I'm, now I'm seeing a psychologist because I want to deal with that mm-hmm. approach. So I think it's, I mean, I don't think that I'm a, the poster person for um, disordered eating and eating disorders, but I think that I have actively struggled with it for like a decade. Yeah. So. And the thing is like a lot of the, um, I read like a really disturbing stat about like if you're if you have an undiagnosed or un um, addressed eating disorder and it goes through like through your twenties, I think the chances of you ever recovering from it is very very low. Yeah. Like if it's like if it's ongoing for a really long time, because I remember this. Oh my god, it actually gives me goosebumps because it's so fucking awful. When I was I worked in pharmacy for like a decade between. Um, like year 10 and when I started my first like um adult post-grad job I we had like those glucogel jelly beans at the front of the counter and I was checking this woman out and she had a little girl who is probably six seven at the max like preschool or grade one and the mum was like oh do you like shall we get some jelly beans she had like a little boy so who was younger and the girl like looked picked up the jelly beans, turned them over and was like, how much sugar is in this? And I was like, 
Oh my god! And the mum was mortified that but I. You know where she's learning it. Well, I don't know if she was just covering it up or if she, it was the truth because she like looked at me like alarmed and she was like, "I don't know where she's pick, picking this up," or like said something about like something at school. So I was like, it could be like a grandparent or. I mean, it could have been the mum and she just didn't want it to happen in public. But sometimes I think uh, it's not that the mum or any parent or family member is enforcing it on the child, like don't eat those because you'll be fat. Mm. I think it's actually often repeated behaviour if the mum is struggling herself. Oh, yes. And I think that's part of it is like a lot of us grow up with grew up with mums or aunts or grandmas who were obsessed with Jenny Craig and mm. Weight Watchers and getting those fucking tiny meals in that are providing very little nutritional value Mm -hmm. and you know like tiktok i'm not sure if this comes up on your feed but those like um i just want to see my mum eat a carb or my mum's the kind of woman that eats one almond for lunch and those sorts of things and i just think like this is what the our the generation above us has been trained to do Mm. and it scares me mm-hmm. and I think it that's what's that's what we've been raised around yeah. is these ideals of of the beauty standard because it's been enforced through them, right? Mm-hmm. And diet culture is everywhere. And yeah. it's 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 and things like the biggest loser actually teach us from a very young age how many calories are in everything and how to lose weight, but in the least healthy and um mm. and in sustainable ways. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things is like these diet diet culture is not sustainable ever, is no. my view. No. Um I, I don't know how to dismantle it. Well that's the thing, like our um like our parents' generation are doing it because their parents' generation did it to them. Like it's one of those things. And I find, and I wrote an article about it, which you can view on our Instagram. It's like, wh- like at what point, wait, what's the point I was making? Fuck. Lost it. Oh, I think that feminism, feminism and progressive people have done a lot of work to dismantle a lot of different things. But that one, I just don't even think we've even made a dent in it. Mm. Like I know there is a bit of like, I guess, like counter content to it, but it's just nowhere near like widespread enough. And I think that um, one of the things came out from the article that you wrote and published last week, which was really popular about it, was that the comments were really disturbing. They proved the need for the article. Yeah. And I think that the... This, the argument that appeared, the rhetoric that appeared in the comments was a lot of people sort of, I would call it a lash out. Mm. People would lash out and say, but the opposite isn't good either. We don't want people with diabetes. We don't want people to be obese. The that antidote is, di- is diet <laughs> The antidote to diet culture is not obesity. No. The opposite of diet culture is not obesity. They're not, that's not how it works. And actually I would argue that people that engage heavily with diet culture are just as unhealthy as someone who may be morbidly obese. Exactly. That's what made me so mad. And honestly, like I, the comments really took me aback. Actually, I wasn't expecting, um, no, like no, uh, opposition, but I think the, like I didn't, so I didn't write in the article specifically, you know, I didn't address like the opposition that we would inevitably get because I think the problem is the people who are saying stuff like that, I'm like, you're perpetrating diet culture right now. Yes. Like, do you fucking understand that? And I think the thing people always say like, well, we don't want to promote obesity or like, then they say that about like plus size models being on the cover of magazines. We don't want to promote obesity. Like that's not, you know, if we dismantled like all of this bullshit diet culture, people as a whole would be genuinely more healthy. Yes. And I mean that in the holistic sense of the word, word, as in like mentally, like our mental state around food, in my opinion, is the worst. Diet culture kills. Literally. And honestly, like the, what, 
I mean, even in my limited experience, my stomach has been put through and what the dieting that I did and what I ate was fucking horrific. Mm. Like I am not a healthy person. And it's only now in my mid twenties, well, I can say that now, <laughs> that I'm actually discovering like eating well yeah. and nutritionally being more considerate of what I'm putting into my body. Yeah. And I feel so much better. Yeah. And that's one of the things is like, I know like I was iron deficient, B12 deficient. I had calcium issues. I had zinc and iron issues. I already said iron and fucking I had issues with everything. Double issues with Vitamin D deficient, vitamin C deficient. And I think about all of those things. I need a bunch of injections, a bunch of infusions. And then when I actually started going outside, eating well, I was like crazy. <laughs> I don't feel exhausted all the time. And that's not diet culture. No. That's like a more holistic look at how you're living your life and routine. Yeah. And the thing is, is that this like, and I think that TikTok is presenting both the best and the worst of it. Like some of the content I see on TikTok is like people who are plus size talking about what they actually eat in a day. And mm. it's fascinating because they're much healthier than me. Yeah, Most of the time what they're eating is much more nutritionally balanced and considered than me. Mm-hmm. But we're taught that if you're thin, that equals health. Yeah. And it's not actually what it looks like at all. When I watch Victoria's Secret Show, which is never because that shit's horrific, mm-hmm. I think – that is not the picture of health. It's actually the opposite. And I think yeah. we need to retrain our brains to look at that and go, no one who can look like that mm-hmm. is actually considering what they're putting in their body. It's all controlled. It's all restricted and it's all counted incessantly. Yeah, exactly. Should we talk about naughty cake? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> naughty cake. Naughty cake. So na- naughty, naughty cake is-, is our very fun, hilarious, obviously. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, this isn't funny. Fuck. Hilarious. It's got a hilarious name, but it's very... It's like literally one of like the things that get me the most yes. is in, I think it's like really in any environment, but I think it's like particularly highlighted in a corporate environment Yes, when there's like a shared morning tea on yep. and there's always like inevitably, it's unfortunately pretty much always women. Um, but there's always like inevitably one woman who's like, Oh no, I can't. That's naughty. I can't. No, I can't have that cake. Oh, or they eat the cake and they're like, Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so, that is- I'm so naughty. Gotta work those calories off tomorrow. Literally. And it also comes out specifically at family events at like Easter and Christmas when there's mm. chocolate, when there's pudding, when there's specific meals. People are obsessed. And it's funny because I don't think that the people actually feel guilty all the time necessarily. I think it's about saying it out loud to others because you feel watched. Yeah. Like whenever I make commentary about the food I'm eating, it's because I feel embarrassed. Not mm-hmm. not about my weight or how I look, but that I feel like the need to declare that I don't eat like that usually. Okay. It's more of like a, just so everyone knows, I don't scoff this at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like it's some sort of way to alleviate the conversation or put the eyes off you when actually all it's doing is feeding into the negative commentary that everyone else has in their own mind, that inner critic, yeah. in, an inner food critic. It's like the little, yeah. little chef, yeah. little little Remy the rat. One yeah. health star. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting because I think that it's some, sometimes a way to like deflect mm. and deflect judgment, but all it does is put it back on you. Yes. And I think that a lot of, and it's probably, it's like goes a step further when people in those environments make comment about like, if you go in for like a second donut or something. Yes. And but I no think. No one's watching. No one gives a, f- I, no one's counting your donuts. I am never like clocking you like that's the seventh chip. You yeah. know what I mean? No one does that. <laughs> no one does that. I also have a weird thing. I think this is so strange. Um, 
when like you're at uh, at dinner with someone or like multiple people, especially when it's more than one. And like some people want dessert and some people don't. Oh. And like just the weirdness that comes about from like someone eating dessert and not anyone else wanting it. One, it's guilt, but two, it's feeling like you're taking up someone else's time. I would argue as yes, well. Yes, I agree. So that's a hard one sometimes, but I agree. It's like always a, it's, there's always a clear consensus. It's the same with entrees. Yes. Like, do you want something to share for the table? And something, no, I don't need that. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. I want my bread. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. If someone says no to the bread, please like exit That's, from my life. But also, can I just say like part of this that kind of bothers me is in the reverse as well. So I don't know if it's the reverse. So a few weeks ago, we put up like a, I'm not sure it was like a red flag or a turn off or something. And one of the things someone submitted was um, that I was like, no, I need to say something on this was someone said like, oh, I went on a date. Oh, it's the worst date thing. Yes. What's happened on the worst date? And someone mm-hmm. said, I went on a date and I ordered like chi- like a burger and wedges and he ordered a green tea. Mm. I was a bit like, who cares? So you felt bad that you'd done that, but who cares? Yeah. Like I, I think if he wants to be sad and just have one green tea, sure. that's up to him. But I think it's like, why are you shaming yourself? Are you shaming him for not meeting you in the middle? Like, I don't understand. I just think we should have less focus on food. Agree. I mean, it's kind of like the body positivity versus neutrality thing. Like I think we're too obsessed with what we're putting into our bodies. Yep. And in a way it's like, obviously we should be moving to more of a health perspective, but we're so obsessed with what, not even what's actually in the food, but what the perception is. Exactly. You're not actually obsessed with the nutrients and the carbs and the fats. You're not obsessed. You're obsessed with how it looks and the judgment that you receive, but you're not actually obsessed with what that actually represents. Interesting. I also think that um on the in the like the flip side like the idea of like having to clean your plate oh yeah I think is like the same kind of thing mm. it's like when you go to yeah when you go to a restaurant and you leave a couple of chips behind and like I know probably there's lots of people whose parents were like finish everything on your plate My there parent. are starving children in Africa mm. when it's like well like if we actually got rid of all of that we would just stop eating when we're full yeah and like, I hate waste. I absolutely hate waste. Um, and I very rarely leave anything on my plate, but that's usually because I have a fairly good like radar on like how much I want to eat. And I think that that is only because I have a healthy relationship with food and a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. But I think like that, like what's the fucking big deal if there's like something left, like, yeah. come on, leave a couple of chips. Who cares if you really don't want them? Yeah then just fucking leave them yeah. or like even eating at home, like putting, I, I get into this thing sometimes. It's more for me about like the wasting mindset. Like if there's like a little bit left over, I'm like, a tiny bit. Like, what am I going to do with that tomorrow? I actually don't really like the feeling of feeling extra full. No, it's not, oh, no I don't think anyone actually does. No, it's very like hibernate. I've got a hibernate. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and then even like when, um, so like everyone who's probably ever done like any of the standard diets knows about like the old cheat meal and like the belief that you have to like absolutely obliterate yourself with this cheat meal. Because it's like, well, I'm only going to get one in the whole week. So I have to like gorge myself and just like feel so shit and disgusting. I've always hated that that mentality. The cheat cheat meal. meal. Yeah. Cancel the cheat meals. Cancel the cheat meal. I'm sure people can see this on TikTok as well. Um, The obsession with diet culture and how it mixes in with like life coach kind of vibes. And it's like, if you're, if you're like diet is not good, then your life is not good. And like obsessed with like productivity culture. Interesting. In mixing with the diet. Have you seen that? Not really. Okay. I'm not been on TikTok lately. 
It's, I know, there are so many un, unviewed TikToks that I've sent you. All my hard work. Wasted. <laughs> Wasted. I'll get there. Um, eventually. <laughs> eventually. I think it's like, it's probably like part of like meal prep is like a perfect example of it. Or like those people who wake up and then drink like a huge mason jar of water. Yes. I mean, I know, I kind of see the health benefits because you've just gone like eight hours plus without any drinking any water. So you're thirsty and probably dehydrated, but like making it into a thing that's like, if you just do this one lemon water, your life is going to be perfect. (laughs) But it's, um, I think it comes back to like a lot of the, my day on a plate, everything Mm -hmm. I eat in a day, those articles and videos really are focused on people that have in excess wealth. Yes. So often you've got a private chef coming in and cooking you meals. And and the worst one I ever saw was Gwyneth Paltrow's, which is oh, unsurprising. God. But a lot of them are like, had a lemon water, then had a smoothie at 10. And then does, they don't actually put anything in Food. their body until yeah. like 2 p.m. And then Ugh. they eat two light meals that are like salmon on a bed of salad. Some, and um, I'm like, rocket. send them to the electric <laughs> chair. Send them. Do you remember what the kind of, you don't have to specifically um, recount what Gwyneth Paltrow was like. What were the vibes? I can find it. Why don't we just find it? So I'm not defaming her. True. Good idea, Queen. The other thing is, like, I see so many people um, on YouTube who are just, like, generally, there's this one woman who I'm not going to name, but she's she's quite young. I think maybe she's, like, 20, and she is, like, very, like, slight, like, quite slim, Um, and her whole family is slim, and it's probably just genetics, but who am I to judge or like decide but people keep asking her in the comments for like oh my god do what i eat in a day what do i what i eat in a day and she was like oh this is so weird like i don't understand why people keep asking me i'm like it's because you're skinny like it's just like so because she obviously doesn't compute that and i just think it's like so fucking sad that she's like going to she's then she did it and i was like oh god it's because people want to know what fucking diet you're on so they want to look like you Newsflash, it doesn't matter if you follow someone else's day on a plate. To the T, you will never look like them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so Gwyneth's is Gwen, Gwyneth. Gwyneth's is a video, so I'm just going to read from this article that's recounting what she says. So for starters, unsurprising, she's not really into breakfast. Okay. Yeah, no. I mean, actually, I'm not into breakfast, but that's because I'm always like, I feel sick in the morning. (laughs) I just feel ill. So she's not a big breakfast person. She goes straight to the gym after dropping her kids at school with nothing in her body and then always has a big thing of water at the gym. Big thing of water in inverted quotations. And she puts scoops of powders into her water for vitamin C and something else. And she says, it's like my morning orange juice. Well, it's not. It's powdered water, (laughs) frankly. It's not pulp. I know that there is like fasted cardio is a thing, but like it goes against everything, I believe, to not eat before the gym. Then she has a smoothie spinach almond butter some other shit sounds awful then she'll have a peanut butter protein bar i'm shocked she has a bar she must make it herself or like has one of her cooks to make it then lunch is a salad with some protein very explicit no carbs turkey there's no carbs in this all no by the way afternoon snacks are a must well thank god because we've had nothing so far three (laughs) almonds Um, she'll hit the snack cupboard at the goop office at about three or four. She says, okay, she'll grab something salty, either <laughs> cashews or pretzels. <laughs> then she keeps dinner simple, but it varies. Oh, she has a cup of green tea before that. Of course. Of course. For dinner, I have whatever I want, but I always <laughs> try to avoid highly processed foods and high fructose corn syrup. 
So it's not everything you, anything you want. So she's saying chicken or stir fry. Fuck, that is just sad. <laughs> so that is a sad state of affairs. She has dinner at like 6.30 p.m. She says occasionally she indulges in French fries. Uh, indulges. I have them like seven times a week. <laughs> I love chippies. Well, it's not an indulgence. Potato. It literally. Oh, a little naughty potato. Naughty. Skin. So she, she, wait. She has dinner at six thirty, and she does not eat until like yeah. what? She's dropping her kids at school like at eight thirty. Yep. Going to the gym, having her powders. That's not calories. And then she's not eating until her smooth. That is such a small window to eat. Yes. What the absolute fuck? <laughs> it's also because like our, the Gen X's have, sorry, no offense to you, but you have sold us this narrative that we can't eat past like 7 p.m. Yes. No carbs after six has always been a fucking rule. Yeah. Do you um, know what's really fucked up? When I was in year, oh no, might've been when I just quit school, uh, just finished school. Um, when I was in my first job, we were open. It was a pharmacy, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Yep. And my boss, who was toxic as fuck and tried to fire me after I quit, but that's a story for another day, <laughs> which I might've told in the podcast anyway. I think you have. I think I have. She told me um, pompously that she doesn't eat dinner after 7 she doesn't eat after seven. And I'm like, I fucking work until eight o'clock. Thanks to you. So she was giving, like trying to school me on like her new diet. Yeah. I would work till, I remember when I was in school, I worked till midnight some nights Jesus. and then I would come home and have dinner and yeah. then I would get up for school at seven and then I would eat again cause I was starving. This is when I wasn't in my anorexic year nine phase. Um, year nine. <laughs> it's probably not really. <laughs> Related. Year nine. <laughs> year nine. We are thinking about making a shirt that says, I'm sorry about what I said in year nine. Thoughts. Give me a little bottomy for what I did in year nine. Yeah. Nick said it should be, I'm not sorry for what, like, take the power back. I'm like, but I am sorry. I am very sorry. I actually <laughs> tweeted that last time. I'm going to tweet it today as a funny meme. I am the most sorry. I'm so sorry. I think the thing is, like, we we can't dismantle it. And I don't know how, I, I think the the thing that worries me most is even the most radical among us all have suffered from eating disorders and disordered eating throughout yep. our lives because it's been shoved down our throats. Isn't that ironic? Huh? <laughs> um, but I don't know what to do about it. Like, I don't know how we, how do we stop this advertising? How do we stop influencers from promoting these products? How do we stop our obsession with the fitness industry mm. and the wellness industry? Because it's really, it's really only grown, especially in the last five years. I also think there's something to be said for the COVID weight stuff. Oh yeah. A lot of lockdown weight discussion. Did you see that thing that someone put up on TikTok and I don't know who originally thought of it. That was like, how fucked up is it that during a global pandemic, we were all worried about uh, gaining five kilos instead of worrying about literally fucking dying from like people were dying and other people were like, Oh, my, my five kilos. My lockdown work from home weight. Literally. I think that the best thing that we can do is, um, like stop the conversation in its tracks when we, it's happening in our circles. Yeah. Cause I, I remember this one time and I said it was a, it was to a man actually, which is, um, probably like unusual for the issue who I worked with like a few jobs ago. And he said something about milk. He was like on a diet. He was always on diets and he said something about putting skim milk in his coffee. By the way, I hate when people call it skim milk, skinny milk. Like skinny flat white. Isn't that skim milk? Yeah. yeah it's just that's... skim. Like, cause it's skimmed. Yes. Skinny milk. Sort of that. Anyway, skinny milk is blue. Have you ever noticed that? 
No, it's translucent. It's so gross. Yeah, it's just water. Anyway, no offense if that's what you want to drink. I mean, all milk is gross. Yes, agree. I'm vegan, so I'm just going to get back on my high horse now. <laughs> anyway, so he was saying about, yeah, putting skim milk in his coffee versus like full cream. Yeah. And then he said, he like called it bad. There was like no skim milk and he had to put full cream in it, milk in his coffee. And it was like, oh, this is so bad. And I just like turned around and I was like, food doesn't have a moral value. And it like, he was shook, shook to his core. And I was like, oh, you've never, literally never heard that before. Because I also think that even though men are not as affected by diet culture as women, I think that a lot of the time people are even less likely to call it out when it's a man. Well, I think men have different kinds of pressures. Yeah, because you have to be like strong and muscly. Exactly. And so I think that in school, what I saw especially was um, a lot of the boys in my grade were like obsessed with the meal prep, chicken and rice, going to the gym, that sort of bulk and how they looked and Mm. how they were physically built. Mm -hmm. So it's different. It's restriction versus build up and how big you can get. Yeah. And I think, I mean, they're competing, but I think they're both just as damaging. I agree. Yeah. I agree because, and also I think that a man who is like into um, like some casual bodybuilding is actually much much less likely to get a diagnosis of disordered eating or oh, eating disorder because it's because of the way that yeah. it's like it's framed as a sport and they're like it's really serious whereas when a woman is like eating fucking celery sticks it's just like for her silly little but also whatever. like and it's interesting because it's one of the few things where you're congratulated for your suffering yeah like if if you have, develop an eating disorder and you lose weight, you are then congratulated and gratified for that. You are validated by everyone that you know. Yes. If you if it if your eating disorder causes you to put on weight, no. Yeah. But in most circumstances, when it's successful, mm. in, in in I put that heavy in in quotations. When it's successful, you are only going to see your peers uplift you, and that's what's most scary about it because only reaffirms the narrative to you that that is the way to be, and it's on both ends for men and women. Do you think you should ever? comment on someone's weight no i do but i shouldn't Mm -hmm. and i do because sometimes and this is terrible but sometimes i know that the people around me are struggling and i like for example if like a family member had lost a bit of weight and i knew that they were trying working really hard towards that and i don't Mm. think it's actually if i think i believe it's genuine disordered eating i would not do that yeah but i know that like saying something to them like you're looking really good i don't think you should and I don't want to comment, but I think especially for the older generation, people my age, I try my hardest not to. Yeah. But for the older generation, I know like I can't, I can't save them from that. Yeah. All I can do is say like you're looking really good, mm-hmm. and I think that like you're looking really healthy, like yeah. and trying to limit the need to lose further weight. Yes. Um. But I like for someone like my younger sister who I know is going through exactly what I went through. Mm-hmm. My commentary is only please, can we go out and have lunch? Yeah. Please, can we? And, and I know that in a way that's another problem. Like, I don't know if we should be commenting on at all on eating. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, I need to go out with you and have a meal so that I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know how to fix that and I can't. But mm. I agree, I don't think we should be talking about I, I don't know how to deal with it. No, in an ideal world. But I think there are like... Again, it's like never a blanket answer because what if, like, if if someone has, like, let's say a middle aged man has gone to the the doctor because he has, like, specific heart. And I know that the doctor, so many doctors, like, literally come in with a broken toe and they're like, you have lost any weight? Yeah. Um, Like, a genuine problem that is, like, about, like, um, uh, like basically like fat around the organs is like yeah. the, the thing that can cause issues. Um, And if, like, yeah, say a 50, 60 year old man has told you, um, need to lose weight because of 
XYZ health condition in that case. And then they started like, you know, switching up their lifestyle and being a bit more active or whatever. I think that is different when you say like, oh, you look good or like mm. you look looking well. Yes. I think looking well is probably the easiest way to do it. Cause I think that the other thing is so many of so many compliments are like just loaded in even if you're not intending them to be about someone's body it comes across like that yeah like if if i said to someone like oh you look good i always worry that they're going to take it as like about about their weight about how they're like yeah yes well, and i never mean it like on that. the converse we were at work the other morning and um i came in and i wasn't wearing any makeup and one of our colleagues said to me <laughs> you look really unwell do you have covid do you need to go home and i i'm just not wearing mascara <laughs> Sorry, you. I shouldn't laugh. That's it was awful. It was at the time I was like, oh, I, I know what they meant. It's also because they're very COVID wary. Mm. But I was like, come on. But <laughs> like, I just think like, what? Wait, we can't. Why are we doing that? Yeah, but actually, that's unfair because a couple of years ago, I wanted to get sent home from work sick because I had a party on, so I didn't wear any makeup. Mm -hmm. And then I came in, and my boss was like, oh my god, you must go home. You look terrible. And I was like. <laughs> 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 Now I'm gonna go get you. And then tomorrow I'm really gonna be unwell. And it wasn't even me like <coughs> it was like me like acting normal and she was like, My God, what's happened? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay, what is I'll, I'll get my bags and go then. I look like shit. <laughs> just didn't have mascara on. It wasn't even foundation, it was just mascara. There is something about mascara, the power that mascara has on someone with no eyelashes. I guess it, yeah, if you're usually wearing mascara and then you don't. Get some every time. Well, I mean, if we're going to live in this toxic world, we got to make it work for us sometimes. Sometimes. In a safe and manageable not, way. And not at the expense of other women. Not at the expense of other women. That was not, that's just. That was at the promotion me. of other women because me and my that friends is, are getting drunk. Public choice <laughs> feminism from you. Executed perfectly. <laughs> Come back for our next episode on choice feminism. Thank you. Thank Please. you. If you didn't find us completely insufferable, come back next Wednesday for a new episode. You can also find us on Instagram at Cheek Media Co. or online at cheekmedia.com.au. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs>